This podcast is produced by Whisper and Mutter. Hi, how are you? It's Imani. I need your help. I don't know a lot about you, my listeners, aside from basic analytics, like the device you listen to this podcast on or how many downloads each episode gets. I want to understand you as a human. I am a UX researcher after all. <laughs> so can you please take an anonymous listener survey at yizzyresearch.com? It'll be really helpful for me. Thank you. Now on to the show. Does anyone know of any opportunities to contribute UX research skills to good causes? Read the email of a UX researcher sent to a large email list of other UX researchers, including myself. I was curious about what responses he'd get because I was also interested in volunteering. Another researcher responded, USDR is currently looking for UX research volunteers. And she provided a link to USDR. Being unfamiliar with USDR, I clicked on the link. Unbeknownst to me, that link would introduce me to being a UX researcher in the digital government movement. As I was reading about USDR and the NYCX Innovation Fellowship, I saw a clear opportunity for me to be civically engaged, further refine my UX research skills, and potentially establish relationships that could lead to Yizzy Research securing government contracts in the future. I had never heard of USCR, and yet it sounded like a good fit for me. Spoiler alert, it was a good fit. You're listening to the Yizzy Research Podcast, the podcast for people who research people. You are listening to the voice of your host, Imani, UX researcher at and founder of the UX research company, Yizzy Research. I help organizations understand their users, and I coach aspiring and practicing UX researchers in their career journeys. I invited Jessica Watson, Chief People Officer and Co-Founder of U.S. Digital Response, a.k.a. USDR, to talk about USDR. USDR, or U.S. Digital Response, is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization, and what we do is we work to help governments and non-governmental organizations respond quickly and efficiently to support the critical needs of the public. So you can imagine when public servants are faced with extraordinary tasks, especially like we saw last year, um, USDR's team of pro bono experts provides a surge of technology, resources, and support to our government partners. Um, and just for some context on the work that we've done over the last year, so since 2020, we've partnered on more than 250 projects in 36 states and territories, um, helping to deliver services and support to more than 42 million people nationwide. And so why we were founded was really like at the heart of when COVID started last year. Um, a few of our co-founders were former deputy CTOs in the White House and are pretty well connected across with governments across the country. And when COVID hit, if we can go back to last March, not only were governments of all shapes and sizes around the country being faced with having to manage a global pandemic, um, but they were also being faced with like having to rethink how they actually do the operations of government. Right. All of a sudden, people couldn't come into the office, both employees or people in the community who needed to be served. Um, and there was a real challenge on trying to get services delivered to folks. And so we saw there was a real opportunity um, for people in technology and with technology expertise to be able to help um, these governments deliver the services that they needed. And so that's how USDR was born. We all saw and experienced how COVID ended up impacting so many facets of our lives. And if we, you know, think back to last April, 
no, it wasn't, it was related to COVID, but like when unemployment insurance websites were crashing because they were overloaded with people applying for unemployment insurance, um, when there were challenges with like long lines for voting or any other issues that governments were facing, you know, it was related to COVID because a lot of the circumstances from COVID ended up having these situations where there was just a surplus of people needing services. But what it really showed was that there's a big opportunity to actually ensure that governments are crisis ready for when the next crisis comes. And so how can we help build more capacity within governments, um, ensure that they are using um, modern technology to deliver services um, so that like we don't see this happen again. And you know we've talked to a lot of partners and some of the stuff that we've done is like not the most um, technologically advanced, but sometimes things just as simple as talking to a government and hearing that their call centers are being overloaded and helping them identify what are the top questions that people are asking and then putting up an FAQ on their website actually ensures that they're able to reach the people who need that one-on-one -on -one communication most um, and is able to like, you know, free up staff capacity. And so we're seeing a lot of our partners are like, getting why digitizing a lot of these services and doing them better is so helpful because it's like it's not just digital for and technology for technology's sake but it actually does allow them to deliver services to more people more efficiently there are different volunteer opportunities through uscr you can work on rapid response projects which are short in length and less of a time commitment and the nycx innovation fellowship which i did it's a longer time commitment than the rapid response projects Jessica explains the difference between both. USDR originated focusing primarily on like what we would call rapid response projects, which were those that um, were really delivering critical services. And so were um, well scoped, um, but also like immediately dealing with crisis. Um, and so most of those projects, you know, those could be things like a government coming to us and saying, uh, we need to stand up a COVID-19 website and we just don't have anyone on staff to do that or um, we actually need to set up a scheduling tool so folks can schedule uh, vaccine appointments or things like this. Um, so they're well-scoped. Um, it's really clear what the final deliverable is. And we have a team that works on figuring out the scope so then we can get a sense of the time frame and how long it's gonna take. And so most projects are in the four to eight week time range um, and volunteers can spend, you know, some volunteers are only spending five hours a week depending on their role and some may spend as much as 20 hours a week on those projects. Um, with some of the research projects too, some of the work may be, um, can be like a week where it's really a really compressed time frame where there's a very specific role of work for um, researchers. So I guess the, the long story short on the time frame is um, more importantly, we want to find what availability our volunteers have and then match a project with them that matches the availability that they have to give. Um, but they we do have a wide range. So there isn't really a one size fits all. Um, what has happened over the last year is we've realized that you know not all problems and challenges uh, can be solved in eight weeks. <laughs> um, there are much bigger things that require um, expertise that's built over time, relationship building, um, and just honestly time working through the problem. Uh, so we do have a couple of programs um, that are internal, which is like our health program. Um, and we're also kicking off an economic stability program where in those programs, we'll actually have paid staff um, alongside volunteers and the paid staff, the reason there is so that they can spend longer time, like six months to a year, 
focusing on the problem. And then volunteers are more doing some of the last mile delivery when we get to executing on projects. Um, but one of the most exciting programs that we've had is our partnership with New York City. Uh, we started partnering with New York City early on. Um, I think it was in last March um, and had built a really great relationship with their mayor's office of the chief technology officer. And we loved our work that we were doing with them and they loved these pro bono technologists that were coming in and we're like, hey, feels like there's an opportunity for us to like formalize this a little bit more. Um, and so what we were fortunate to have working with New York City is they have a digitally mature organization in the mayor's office of the chief technology officer and they get um, technology and agile processes and human-centered design and all of these things and buzzwords that we all know but may not always be known within government. Um, they're like, we want to see more of this happen within government. And so they worked with agencies within New York City to scope problems on their end that then we could have NYCX fellows work on um, in a compressed time frame. So I think it was eight or 10 weeks. We've had two different, um, two different groups. Um, but like to have these volunteers work on real world challenges that New York departments were facing um, to one, give the NYCX fellows an opportunity to really learn more about government and how they can apply their expertise in a new space, but also to really like educate the departments in New York City on like how digital work and processes can actually transform the way they approach their work. Um, and like how you can actually do things in 10 weeks, um, which is a rate that is very fast in government, maybe not fast in other circumstances, but, um, you know, so it's been really exciting to hear that's from the fellows and from New York City and other departments that are so excited to see like how volunteers that even in a short period of time are able to unlock the, and show the potential of technology to then allow it to like get more buy-in for bigger projects, bigger funding down the road. As part of the NYCX Innovation Fellowship, a partnership between USDR and New York City, I was placed as a UX researcher to help the city of New York inform the design of an online tool intended to help older adults find virtual programs and services. This was my first exposure to digital government, and though it was only for a few weeks, I was able to understand how much opportunity there was for me to apply my UX research skills to digitizing and modernizing governments. I was initially hesitant about interviewing for a government role because I had no government experience and didn't know what to expect. The interview process wasn't too difficult. Fairly lightweight interview process. What we are, um, so we do do some pre-vetting ahead of time. So looking at portfolios and LinkedIn and um, volunteers do submit a form with some information about themselves. So first we are looking to see if a volunteer skill set matches the needs of the project that we are trying to staff. Um, then when we get to the interview phase, um, a lot of it is actually more looking at soft skills. Uh, can We're building confidence that this volunteer will be a good representative of USCR, is a strong communicator because a lot of the work they're going to be doing is communicating with our government partner, um, is able to manage stakeholder relationships and can work through conflicts or is like able to bring a stakeholder along. Um, also, there's low ego. So we want to make sure that people coming to the table are really um, coming with a service mindset and to be the helper. Um, so really with the interview process, like it's at that point, by the time we're talking to someone is my job is to really extract 
all of the strengths out of this volunteer to understand what sorts of projects are going to be the best project to put them on. So it's less what you would think of where it's like trying to figure out all the ways that we can like, oh, no, not a match here, not a match here. It's like, no, tell me your superpowers. What what do you do really well? What do you feel most confident, like just being thrown into a project to do um, so that then we can find a project that matches that. If you're enjoying this podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star rating and a glowing review. Subscribe, follow. Many of you messaged me to tell me how much you like the podcast, but it's even better if you share it with your coworkers, mentees, and mentors on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and any other platform I forgot to mention. Spread the love. Don't keep me to yourself. Also, if you are an aspiring or even a current UX researcher who needs help with your resume, interviewing skills, professional branding, cover letter, LinkedIn profile, and portfolio, consider applying for the Yizzy Research Coaching Program. New York City wanted to curb social isolation among older New Yorkers in the wake of the COVID-induced quarantine and isolation. Specifically, my fellowship cohort assisted the Department of the Aging, also known as DIFTA, and creating a web-based services finder. We created the prototype for a service locator to help older New Yorkers find senior service providers and explore virtual programming and events. My cohort consisted of a software engineer, product managers, and product designers as well. USDR did a really good job of structuring a cohort with people with various yet compatible skills. As a UX researcher, a significant portion of my fellowship time consisted of me interviewing older adults and service providers. Once the designers created a prototype of the finder, I conducted moderated usability tests. Due to COVID, all research occurred virtually using Zoom and Microsoft Teams. I assumed that older adults were not generally tech savvy and would have a hard time navigating Zoom and Teams and would be generally disinterested in the online tool the city was trying to create. I was humbled by how wrong I was. The older adults were active, vibrant, and social before the pandemic, and they had carried that spirit with them as they successfully transitioned into attending virtual events. If you've met any New Yorker over the age of 60, then you already know the spirit I'm describing. There were very few dull moments when speaking with them. In researching the older adults, I learned that they were vulnerable to scams and wanted us to create a digital experience that protected them against being scammed. They also wanted to search for events by zip code, to know how much events cost, and where events were located. This final insight was really interesting to myself and my team because all events were virtual due to COVID, and as a team designing and researching, we assumed that was clear. However, user research revealed otherwise. That's why I love UX research, and that's why it's so important. When conducting usability testing with the older adults, they were excited about the online tool and were able to contextualize the tool within their own lives. In real time, I was able to understand the impact digital government and UX research had on the lives of everyday people. One of the challenges of working in government as opposed to the private sector is that there is no competition among governments and therefore no incentive to innovate quickly. Things do happen in government, but they happen slower than they do in the private sector. Another challenge was designing a product that appeased two different end users, the older adults and the service providers. The service providers I interviewed were usually senior center directors. In order for our web finder to work, 
Service providers had to enter information such as location, cost, and event description about various events so that the older adults could search for them on the front end. It was a very delicate balance because we wanted to provide a lot of information for older adults to help them select the best event, but that meant that understaffed and overwhelmed service providers would have to find time that they did not have to upload all this information into the back end of the finder. This was a big challenge and my cohort really struggled with it. The good thing for us though is that because the fellowship was a 10-week sprint, we weren't expected to answer every question and address every pain point. That took some of the pressure off of me as a researcher. Upon completing the NYCX Innovation Fellowship, I was pleasantly surprised that I had developed a serious interest in being a UX researcher in the public sector, a career possibility I never considered or knew existed. This was an exciting project to be a part of, and many of you listening may be interested in volunteering through USDR too. What does it take to become a volunteer UX researcher with USDR? Uh, Research is so important uh, with what we do, because at the end of the day, there is someone receiving the services or someone processing the services, and we need to understand um, what their pain points are, what, how they are trying to access these services, like what it is beyond them just going to the website to do the thing that they need to do, what life looks like around that. And so research is vital um, for us to get a good understanding of the users that are at the other side of the products that we're building. What we look for, I think, in general with great researchers in general, <laughs> but empathy, um, reflective listening. One of the things we're really cognizant of is when we work with partners, our partners have been working through and in these spaces for decades sometimes and have a ton of expertise that they can share with us. And so being able to really like pull from them, understand the whys, understand the underlying challenges that they're facing is really important. So listening is huge. I think what also helps is having a broad toolkit of um, research methodologies and tools that a researcher uses because um, every circumstance is different. It's not all one size fits all. So if you have qualitative and quantitative tools under your tool belt, survey writing, can write research guides, um, you know, is can come to the table with like, okay, here's the problem and then design the, the research program from that is, is super important. The other thing that is really important too is just being able to communicate with our government partners and help turn research insights into things that can really be actionable. You know, we have this phrase internally that's demos, not memos. So we want to like show value quickly and move to actually building a prototype or showing an example of, of what could be to our partners. And so researchers who are able to like pull insights from these conversations and then really work with the rest of the team to turn those insights into actionable next steps or concrete technology or design decisions is really important. We find that if I think about looking through research applicants, I imagine like two to three years of research experience is helpful because um, for context, when volunteers are matched with projects, they're often like thrown into the project right away, partnering with our government partner. And so we want to ensure that the government is going to be able to be successful at the end of the day, which is why we do bias a bit more senior, have some in the job experience so that when they are in those meetings, um, they're just really comfortable to converse with our partners and are able to work autonomously um, and with some level of ambiguity. Remember, Jessica mentioned that there are many different volunteer experiences one can have through USDR. I asked Jessica what other projects existed. Sure. So there's a bunch of different things. Um, So one big project that's been um, led by a researcher on 
our health program has been working on vaccine, um, on health equity um, in, with vaccines. And so she's been doing a lot of work to better understand how to communicate to people about vaccinations, how to ensure that like there's equity in the communication to get people to um, get vaccines. Um, and has been partnering a lot with community-based organizations to understand that um, from a from a healthcare provider perspective. Um, but I mean, the project's really great. We've had work that has been on, you know, a lot of work maybe more understanding existing processes and how people are um, you, doing workflows and how to improve those. So we've had a lot of work on unemployment insurance, both how people apply for unemployment insurance um, and how we can improve the form process. Um, there's a lot of forms in government, so <laughs> you may be doing research on if a form is working or not. But then also there's administrators on the other side of unemployment insurance um, that have to process all the applications. So being able to observe what's that workflow like, where are there opportunities to improve it? Um, we've also done work on, let's see, there are so many, it's so varied. There are so many different types of projects. Um, we had a project, one where it was with the city of Emeryville, uh, where um, they have for the last 40 years hosted an arts festival and this was going to be the first year they were going to have to cancel it um, or last year in 2020. And so it was working with them to figure out how we could bring their in-person uh, arts festival online digitally. So it can really vary in, in domain space um, from elections to housing. We are doing a lot of work right now actually on um, rental assistance and ensuring that people are getting the money that they need so that they can stay in their homes. So reducing evictions, um, food security, um, ensuring small businesses are getting the uh, money that they need, ensuring people are getting the funding that they need through the different CARES Acts and American Recovery Plan. Um, so it varies in that way. Um, almost every part of government that touches you, you can imagine we have probably worked on. And then it also really varies on who we're partnering with. So some may be very, very small cities or even towns and others can be, um, you know, large, large states or counties. Uh, so it's kind of our, our goal is to provide as much help as possible wherever we can. Uh, so it, it really has touched every part of government um, at every level. I ended our chat by asking Jessica why people should volunteer with USDR. What makes it special? She answered by sharing her own path. Well, I'll talk a little bit about my own experience and then why I think in general people should volunteer for USDR, uh, specifically researchers. Um, so I'm a designer. I had worked in tech for seven years um, and uh, had taken a little bit of a break and last March uh, was stuck at home like everyone else and um, didn't know how to sew, so couldn't make masks and felt like <laughs> there wasn't a way for me to be useful. Uh, and it was really, I think we were all feeling that. And a lot of this last year has been us feeling like, how do I be of use in this time when like there's a lot of problems out there in the world to solve um, that could potentially use my help. And so I saw a tweet about USDR and immediately raised my hand uh, because it was just like, wow, actually I can take my, my skills, like my job and what I've learned throughout my career and apply them in a real world way um, to have real impact in the world. And so I think that part has been incredible. Um, I love my job, uh, but there is something that is so much more profound about doing work that is truly transforming people's lives um, when we make it easier for people to apply for unemployment insurance or um, easier for an, an organization to process rental assistance applications. 
people are staying in their homes, people are able to feed their kids. Like it is, it is an impact unlike any I've had in any of my traditional tech roles. And so it is just profoundly rewarding um, to be able to have that type of impact in a, in a real way. So that's my top one. This is just like, wow, I can, I can take the things that I do and actually impact people's lives, truly. Um, second, I think if you are kind of curious about this space, it is a great way to just try it on and see if civic or government technology is a space you might be interested in. Um, in addition to show and tells, we also have brunch and learns. We'll bring in experts from outside the organization. We have a ton of people within USDR who have a ton of government experience. So it's it's a great way to like try it on um, and see if it's a space that you're interested in. Um, and then third, I think the other thing that's been amazing is it's um, a community of similarly minded people uh, so you have this amazing group of fellow volunteers who are all also helpers who are just coming to the table, hoping to do great things. And so to be able to work with people with a similar mindset to build things that actually has an impact in the world has just been um, such a rewarding part of my work that I decided to move from volunteer and actually be a full-time employee with USDR. Um, and, and then I think it's just the other thing that has been useful too, is like to step outside of your normal role and be able to take the skills and tools that you have and apply them in a new space, um, stretches yourself, right? You're, you're pushing the boundaries of what you know how to do and putting them into a new context. And so that professionally can be really rewarding. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to take the listener survey on yesyresearch.com. Give this podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow Yuzi Research on Twitter and LinkedIn. We'll chat soon.